Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For Lord, indeed, you are our strength, and Lord, you're our redeemer. Amen. Whew, that's quite a scripture. I, you know, there's a couple things that I, I'm, I'm going to extract from it so that um, you don't walk away today going, oh, that was depressing. Nah, I promise you'll walk away. I hope just as lighthearted or if not more than when you came. Have you ever committed yourself to a project or a goal and then changed your mind? Have you ever thought, maybe I bit off more than I can chew? Well, I can tell you about 20 years ago I might have thought that. After all, I guess I did celebrate 20 years of being in pastoral ministry this year. Or is this going to take more time or more energy or more of me than I expected? And then maybe anxiety steps in, maybe even regret. And we have two choices then at this point. We can double down on our commitment to that project or the goal, or we can walk away. And we can admit that we weren't prepared to give our best effort. And that's not an easy choice to make, is it? Back in 2019, history professors in the UK translated a letter from the 14th century about a nun named Joan of Leeds who faked her own death to get out of her commitment to the church. William Melton, the Archbishop of York, wrote the letter in, in 1318 that describes Joan with the help of accomplices escaping the convent. The archbishop wrote that Joan crafted a dummy in the likeness of her body in order to mislead the devoted faithful, and she had no shame in procuring its burial in a sacred space amongst the religious of that place. We all have trouble following through with our commitments sometimes, right? I mean, but few of us quit in such a spectacular manner of, of that Joan of Leeds did. And as of late, in my binge-watching of fantasy mystery shows, this plot <laughs> comes up on, a, on occasion, but to fake your own death, to get out of a commitment, is a clear sign that you weren't really quite committed to it in the first place. And on the other hand, there is an amusing but thought-provoking story by Danish uh, theologian Soren Kierkegaard about the difference between making a contribution and making a commitment. The story is set in a small town where the citizens are very proud of their fire chief. 
He was a pleasant man and well-liked by everyone in town. One day, the, the, the fire chief rounded up his brigade to respond to a dangerous fire. But when the fire brigade arrived, they couldn't reach the fire because of all the townspeople were in the way. And the citizens of this town thought that they would come out and help their beloved chief. Yet the citizens were only equipped with small squirt guns. And as they squirted tiny streams of water at the fire, they commented that they believed in the good work of the fire chief and wanted to make their own contribution to it. The fire chief, in a rage, shouts at them, Get out of here! Fires like this are not for well-meaning people who want to make limited contributions. Such situations demand firemen who are ready to risk their lives in putting out the flames. Some folks want to jump in to help for a while, while others make long-term commitments. Now, in the passage today, Jesus is saying, I'm asking you to trust everything to me. What would that look like in your life to trust everything in Jesus' care? How would you live differently from the way that you do now? Jesus finishes this passage by saying, Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Pastor John Huffman heard an interview many years ago with uh, missionary Elizabeth Elliot in which she recalled the many challenges she and her husband Jim Elliot faced in their mission work in Ecuador. It's a sad story, really. Elliot was working as a translator in a remote area of Ecuador uh, when her indigenous assistant was murdered and all her language materials then were stolen. A flood destroyed the station Jim Elliot was working on and finally Elizabeth's husband Jim was murdered by indigenous people with whom he was trying to share the gospel. In this interview, Elizabeth Elliot said, you know, when I was 12 years old, I, I told the Lord that I wanted him to work out his will in my life at any cost. And when he set about doing that, I was amazed. I didn't think it was going to be that way. And we never do. The will of God is never exactly what you expect it to be. It may seem to be much worse, but in the end, it's going to be a lot better and a lot bigger. And that's why we have to trust everything to Jesus. We have to trust that the will of God is going to be a lot better and a lot bigger than we can see right now. 
After all, Jesus wasn't asking us to do anything he didn't do himself. And look at the words again, verse 38. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me. For Jesus, the cross meant sacrifice, even to the point of physical death. But because of Jesus' death and resurrection, the cross is new life for us. And that new life isn't conventional, conserving, or comfortable. In the late 1600s, there, there was a parlor game called Cross Purposes. You'd take a group of people and split them into two teams, and one half of the participants would uh, get a question or subject, and then the other half would get the answer or explanations, kind of like a version of Jeopardy. And then everyone would, would be set loose to find the explanation that matched their subject. And the game could be really fun if people accidentally matched up the wrong subjects and the explanations. And today, we use the, the, the name of this game, though, to describe a less pleasant situation. When we say that people are working at cross purposes, we mean that they have conflicting goals that can't be reconciled. And that's what Jesus wanted us to think about. The way of the cross crosses beyond the ways of the world. Our commitment to God's purposes, our trust in God's plans may make us look radical and foolish to a lot of people. And that brings, it's kind of like flapping, right? And that brings us to the second thing Jesus is telling us in this passage. Trust that God cares about your life. Jesus challenges his disciples to live boldly, to stand up for their faith in ways that put them at odds with legalistic establishments and, and the Roman government. And then he says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul, and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worthy more than many sparrows. And that's why Jesus can tell us to not be afraid even in the face of challenging and uncertain circumstances. A couple weeks ago, I got a call, and it was from Mike, my husband. And he's had a car, this one car that he loves. It's a Corolla, and it's a, um, it's a hybrid, and it's just really a neat car, right? And so uh, it's a 2021, and so it was brand new in 21, whatever. And so he calls up, and I'm like, you know, yeah, he, he calls me on occasion. He said, I've been in an accident. And I'm like, okay, the car is totaled. 
okay. Um, somehow I have to get home, but I don't know what's going on right now. I said, are you okay? I think so. Um, you think so. Okay, do we need to call a, a, a truck for you? Do we need to get an ambulance out there? What do we need to do? Well, the ambulance is here for the other guy. Well, what about you? <laughs> no, I'm going to be okay. The airbags worked. <laughs> we don't know. We don't know. In the face of challenging and uncertain certain circumstances. But we're told even the very hairs of your head are numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Your life is not meaningless or random. The God who created our vast and awesome universe knows you individually. And God values you. The God who made you in his holy image will never leave you or forsake you. You are never alone, right? If we really believed this, our fears would evaporate. We would take up our cross and follow Jesus with confidence, knowing that a God who loves us enough to count the very hairs on our heads has a purpose for our lives. There is a story about a lady by the name Betty Green who embodied living boldly for the work of Jesus Christ. Betty was born in 1920. And at a young age, she developed a passion for airplanes and for mission work. And when she got her pilot's license at age 16, think about that. Was it 1936? When she's 16 and getting a pilot's license? She never dreamed how God would use her two passions to further the work of the kingdom of heaven. At the start of World War II, Betty joined the Women Air Force Service Pilots. And these women tested and delivered airplanes, instructed male pilot cadets, aided the fighter pilots in gunnery practice, and flew missions looking for enemy searchlights. And although Betty enjoyed her work, she wrote an article during this time in which she noted, I am eagerly awaiting the time when God will use my flying to take the glorious gospel of our blessed God to those who are without Christ. After the war, she got that opportunity. She helped to, to found a mission aviation organization which is still in operation under the name Mission Aviation Fellowship. Betty was the first employee of the organization and piloted the first flight, taking two Bible translators into a remote part of Mexico. She spent 16 years flying for Mission Aviation Fellowship, carrying missionaries, doctors, and workers, and medical equipment to the most remote areas of Mexico and Peru, Sudan, New Guinea, and Nigeria. 
She flew all these flights without the benefit of GPS or modern equipment. She flew to areas where there were no airports or landing strips or unreliable radio communications. Every flight was a risk. But Betty Green gladly accepted these risks in order to bring the gospel and medical care to isolated people in the poorest parts of the world. Today, the organization she helped to establish works with more than 400 mission agencies and nonprofit organizations to provide clean water, medical supplies, disaster relief, and humanitarian aid, education, and Christian outreach in the most remote parts of the world. Betty Green took on a dangerous and challenging mission with joy because she trusted that God cared for her life. Whether she lived or died, she knew that her heavenly father knew her, loved her, was working through her, and this truth gave her the courage to commit everything to her Lord. And the final thing Jesus is saying in our scripture passage this morning is, if you trust everything to me, you will find abundant and eternal rewards. Let's look at verse 39 one more time. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. There is joy and peace in living for God's purposes. A joy and peace that no earthly rewards can match. There is a reason that this verse is quoted in all four Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's an ironclad promise from the God who willingly chose to give up his own life to save us. God created us for a life of abundant joy, of peace, of purpose that can only be found in knowing him and living his purposes. If you do not recall what hit our world in 2020, you are either living in a cave or you haven't been born yet. Each day of 2020 and into 2021 was a stretch of our fortitude and the question on how we would live out our faith when a deadly virus was killing millions. Taking up your cross was a daily decision for frontline care workers. I recall sitting in my car just to be present outside of the hospital while one of my parish people lay dying. Only two of the man's family members were inside, robed and masked as he died, and with them 
were those angels of mercy who day after day risked their lives to care for their patients who were ill with COVID or fighting some illness or injury. While most Americans were being asked to withdraw from settings where the virus might be transmitted, healthcare workers were actively engaging the people and places where the virus could attack. By caring for ill patients, medical personnel potentially exposed themselves and their families to illness and even death. One medical doctor wrote, Jesus Christ has freed us from the fear of death, allowing us to prudently face danger. He goes on to say, we believe Jesus promised that every hair on our heads is numbered and that no sparrow falls to the ground apart from our Heavenly Father's will. If we or our family members suffer in our bodies, even if life is lost, we know that God will meet the needs of our families for he has promised never to leave or forsake us. Knowing all that to be true, we can courageously step forward to serve the sick and the dying. Now, I know many of us want to put that all behind us. Yet life does not stand still. We still have other forms of epidemics that threaten our well-being. We are plagued by school and work shootings. There are other deadly illnesses and ungodly, murderous racial and minority hatred. When it seems like all hope has eluded us, the words of the MD must resound. Jesus Christ has freed us from the fear of death allowing us to prudently face danger, and goes on to say, for he has promised never to leave or forsake us. So will you, Evangel Heights, meditate on these questions this coming week? Does your life reflect the priorities and purposes of God? And do you have the cross purpose to trust in Jesus and his care for you? Amen Amen. and amen.